Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Hey siblings, gather around the Word with me. Today's readings are 2 Kings chapters 18 through 19. Rabbit Trails Finally, today we see a righteous king rise up and do what is wholly right in the eyes of Yahweh. Now, before we dive into that, I want to take a moment and put a little thought in your mind for you to ruminate over today. Think of how much we've learned about the Father in just the past few months of reading. Our history as believers, the patterns of Yahweh, what pleases Him and displeases Him, His decrees, His character. Where did we learn this? in the most neglected part of the Bible. Just something to stick in your back pocket. Now, let us joyfully read a wonderful passage together. This is 2 Kings 18, verses 1 through 7. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, and broke the pillars, and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in Yahweh, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to Yahweh. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that Yahweh commanded Moses. And Yahweh was with him wherever he went out, he prospered. Woohoo! <laughs> I feel like we should all take a moment and stand up and clap after reading that. Woo! Just does my heart good. <laughs> Finally, I hope that such can be said about us someday. Other things to notice in our reading today. While Hezekiah attended to spiritual duties first and foremost, he also quickly got to work making sure his kingdom was ready for the inevitable war that was coming. He prepared both spiritually and physically. 2 Kings 16, 7-9 shows us that Hezekiah's father, Akaz, essentially made a deal with the king of Assyria, which allowed him, Assyria, control over Judah in exchange for allowing Akaz to retain his title. 2 Kings 18, 7 When Hezekiah came onto the scene, he let the king of Assyria know right skippy-like that he was not that type of king. No more tribute would be paid, and he, Hezekiah, had every intention of ruling his own kingdom. This went over with Assyria about as well as you'd expect. 2 Kings 18.12 Shema is used twice in this verse with regards to God's people. 
Remember, when we are called to Shema, to hear and do or hear and obey, which is essentially the same thing here. So this verse could be translated as, because they did not Shema, the voice of Yahweh their God, but transgressed his covenant, even all that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded, they did not Shema. So we can hear Yahweh's word and know Yahweh's word all day long, but doing Yahweh's word is another story entirely. To paraphrase James, even the demons know Yahweh's word, but those who hear it and don't do it are living out a dead faith. 2 Kings 18.13 makes a lot more sense if you read what Hezekiah was doing behind the scenes, which can be found in 2 Chronicles 32. You'll see that part of what we see happening in 2 Kings is actually buying time while they prepared. Now, I strongly encourage you to read 2 Chronicles 32 for this insight. Okay, in 2 Kings 18.25, we read, Moreover, is it without Yahweh that I have come up against this place to destroy it? Yahweh said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Oh, man. I would not want to be that commander after what he just said. Did he actually just claim that Yahweh, using his personal name even, so there's no room for doubt, had sent him and spoke to him and that he was following his orders? This is so bad. He just misused the personal name of the Father and credited his own actions and evil to Yahweh. It is at this point that I would make sure I wasn't standing anywhere near him. This reminds me of that moment in number 16 when Korah came and said to Moses, essentially, what makes you so special? Every one of us is at least your equal and holy in our own right. And Moses immediately knew the gravity of the sin they had committed in saying and thinking that and fell flat on his face before Yahweh. But what if some of the Israelites had believed him, though? What if this took place today? If someone came and said that they had been sent by Yahweh to destroy and remove God's people from Israel, how would we know if they were truly sent of Yahweh or not? Well, there's this handy-dandy book that gives us a way to test such things. First of all, Israel is a special case, a special people, and a special land. The Father tells us that. He has made His plans and intention clear, and anything that speaks or goes against those is not of Him. But what of other instances of people claiming to speak for Him or have a message from Him or come in His name? There are many passages throughout the Bible that are of help in discerning such things, but I'm going to focus on just a few today. Let's see what Yahweh and Messiah have to say about how to test if something is of Yahweh. And then let's see how Paul views believers who keep a skeptical eye on anyone who claims to be a prophet. The first verse I want to reference is well known and generally referred to as the Deuteronomy 13 test. It reads in Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 4. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh your God is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after Yahweh your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now, y'all notice that this is both a warning and a test. 
First, it lets us know that people will come and perform miraculous signs that seem to be of God, or at least rival what he could do. Now, this is the warning part. Secondly, a test. If these people try to lead you away from following Yahweh, contradict his word, or try to get you to serve other gods. Now, beware that other gods can be disguised as many things that normally we would not think of as gods. This is a test to see if you will remain faithful to Yahweh. Next is another great test from Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 18.22. When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Now, a very important principle can be found here, which will rule out 100% of all prophets not sent by God. And therefore, even every self-proclaimed prophet I've personally ever heard of in our time. A prophet who is truly speaking in the name of Yahweh will have a 100% batting average. They will never be wrong. If a prophet, in quotations, says something will come to pass and it does not, then they're not of Yahweh, plain and simple. Now, let's move on to Messiah himself, which is the word in living flesh, of course. Remember, see John 1, 1 and see what his test is. Matthew five nineteen. So then, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do likewise will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so anyone who breaks the Father's commandments, and this is key here, and teaches others to do likewise. Now, notice this isn't saying that you have to be perfect. We can still do all within our power to be obedient and falter sometimes. But if someone breaks one of Yahweh's commandments and teaches others that it's okay to do so as well, That person is not representing Yahweh. And now let's see how a person of Yahweh will respond to someone fact-checking them with Scripture. Acts 17.11 reads, Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. How would a person of Yahweh respond to someone searching scripture to see if what they say is true? Paul describes those people as noble. No one who is of Yahweh will ever discourage searching scripture. This applies to churches, denominations, pastors, teachers, friends, quote, prophets, etc., If anyone ever discourages you from searching scripture, that person is not representing Yahweh. Now, they may think they are, and they may have been at some point in their lives, but at that moment, according to God's word, they are not representing him. I want to end this day's notes with a reminder. Anytime someone gives you a verse, take a chapter. I include myself in this. And anytime you hear someone quoting a verse that seems out of line with the patterns of Yahweh and the commandments that you know to be from Yahweh, go to that verse and read the ones before it and after it so that you can put it back into context and see the original intent. Verses pulled out of context can be easily twisted. And now we understand 
that Yahweh didn't give us Bibles so that someone else could read them for us. Our reading today ends with the father single-handedly striking down 185,000 Assyrians for their treachery. The world can rage all it wants, but we can hold tight to our inheritance of shalom. When we follow him, he fights for us. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.